All right, we're in, um, let's go to Psalm 141 first, if you would please. And let's look at that verse number three. And I want you to all read it out loud with me. Psalm 141, verse number three. You ready? Let's read it together. Set a watch, O Lord. All right, one more time. Let's do it. Let's, uh, let's read it again together. Can we please? Set a watch, O Lord. Keep the door of my lips. Boy, now that's a good prayer request, don't you think? Is, Lord, watch my mouth and put a door on my mouth and, and uh, my lips. Don't let me say things I shouldn't say. How many have been like me? You have said some things that you wish you could have retracted real quickly. Sure, we all have been. I can put both hands up, all right? And a multitude of business, there one is not sin. Boy, the more you talk, the more you say dumb stuff. And I find myself in both of those categories. <laughs> I don't like it. But praying, say, Lord, help me to exercise wisdom and put a watch upon my mouth and a door upon my lips is a very good, uh, good advice and a good prayer request. It is a prayer here, and I think it's a good prayer request we can pray together. Now let's go to Proverbs chapter 15. We're taking a few Wednesday nights, and we're just taking different topics out of Proverbs. And once again, I want to encourage you, if you have not yet picked up the book from Brother Scott Hanks on the topical studies in the book of Proverbs, I would encourage you to get it. There's a lot of great material in there that I think can be a help and a blessing to you, especially. But there are many topics in the book of Proverbs. I don't have my microphone on, do I? No wonder I can step away from the mic and you can't hear me. The folks up there are probably saying, what are you doing, Pastor? I said, I don't know. It probably has something to do with being at 2 o'clock in the morning in a hospital yesterday morning, so kind of a little bit, a uh, little loopy. But uh, so you better be careful what I say in the service. You may brand me as a heretic. But uh, if we look at this passage of Scripture, it's interesting. The word answer in the book of Proverbs doesn't appear in any of the chapters, verses 1 through 14, but it comes in verse 15, chapter 15, and then it continues throughout the rest of the book. But learning to answer things correctly. And answer means to respond verbally. Now, a lot of times uh, I, heard it, I heard someone say, you know what, that guy or that girl just keeps pushing my buttons. You know what they're looking for? They're looking for the mute button. <laughs> they're looking for you to be quiet. And oftentimes we get, we get cornered or we get something, we have to say something, but we really don't need to say anything. Or if we do say something and answer a question, we need to have special wisdom from the Lord. Dr. Ray Young is here tonight, and I love him and appreciate him. And one of the things I love about Brother Ray Young is that he rarely speaks uh, and just kind of just, uh, some folks when you get around them, they just, they just say everything, they just talk, 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 and they give their opinion of everything. Boy, Brother Ray Young is kind of like a deep well. You've got to really pry a lot of criticism out of him because he doesn't want to give it to you. Now, he doesn't really give criticism. He just, he's very careful. And oftentimes I've, I've asked him questions, said, Brother, Pastor, I don't think I, I, I have enough knowledge to speak on that topic. Maybe, maybe somebody else would be better to call on that. You know, that's nothing wrong with saying, I, I don't know. Some folks, we, we, just, we kind of fake it till we make it. But learning to make a good response verbally in situations is a challenge. Uh, many of us, when we're faced with problems or difficulty, we don't know how to answer it. Boy, sometimes if you don't know how to answer it, what would be a good advice for us? Don't. Yeah, don't, don't answer. So, you know, I'm not sure. You, have you ever heard anybody in the Bible who didn't answer? Jesus? Even when, when Herod asked him, are you really the Christ? He, he didn't say a word. 
Whenever Pilate was pushing him, he said, Thou sayest. I'll let you guys answer that question. He asked many questions, gave very few answers to questions. But learning to answer is a wise thing. Let's just look at a few things in, in the book of Proverbs that speak about answering. I think this would help our teenagers. This would help our, our college students. It would help uh, this pastor. It could help a lady and a man. Because all the time we're going to give opportunities to speak. And when we speak, we need an answer. Give a verbal response to something. There are some principles that I think. And by the way, remember, uh, the book of Proverbs is the book of wisdom. And wisdom can be defined as many things. Someone says it's pinpointing and practicing uh, biblical principles. And I would agree with that. I think wisdom is really seeing things the way God sees them and doing it that way. It, it is seeing things the way God sees things. It's thinking, it's thinking with his opinion. It's seeing life through his lenses and not my own. There's a way that seemeth right unto me, but the end thereof will bring all kinds of damaging death to relationships, possibilities, opportunities, so forth and so on. But as for God, his way is perfect. One of the reasons why prayer is so important to have wisdom. The Bible says if any man lack wisdom, if anyone, any of you lack wisdom, what can he do? Ask God. Because prayer is, it, it bursts two things. A vision to see things the way God wants them to be, the way he sees them, and then a passion to do it. That's why prayer is, you've got a lot of pushback in your spirit from time to time when it's time to pray. And sometimes even corporately. It's like some folks in your heart of hearts, and if you're not coming into the service with a little bit of a, a spiritual mindset, you'll probably say, oh, it's prayer time. But prayer is so vital for so many things. Have you ever thought about all the things that prayer does? We talk about it sometimes. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest, that he'll send forth labor. So, so really, one of the key things that God wants is more foot soldiers out there getting the gospel out. You know how that's birthed? Through prayer. Nursery workers are birthed through prayer. Bus drivers are birthed through prayer. Bus workers and Sunday school teachers are birthed through prayer. Ushers are birthed through prayer. Uh, upcoming deacons are birthed through prayer. Missionaries are birthed through prayer. Uh, how about this one? Um, be careful for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with let your request be made unto God, verse 7 of Philippians chapter 4, and the peace of God. You know, you're not going to have peace unless you learn to pray. Taking your care, and boy, when you're not at peace, you make a lot of dumb decisions, and I have too. You've got to have peace to make progress. But the shortcut to peace is prayer. Any wonder why Satan doesn't want us to pray? What did Jesus say? Watch and Pray. They enter not into what? You know, we can't handle temptation. I can't handle it. You can't handle it. So what we need to do, we need to pray our way away from it. Is it watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Even in the model prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, look, I want you, uh, when you pray, ask God before you close your prayer, Lord, deliver us from temptation. Deliver us from evil. Don't let it come to me. I don't want the temptation to do what's wrong. I wonder how many times I have fallen and done something, said something, gone somewhere, responded in the wrong way because I failed to pray. I was tempted and I failed. Oh, prayer is such a vital part of the Christian life. 
And yet, uh, it's a challenging thing. And here, of course, uh, learning to answer is something. We need wisdom. And that's what Proverbs is about, is seeing things God's way and then having a passion to do it His way. With this in mind, let's look real quick at a few words. And three times in the book of Proverbs chapter 15, you'll find answer. Let's look at the first time that we see it in verse number one. Are you ready? Let's read it together. A soft answer... If you ask a third grader, ask you, what does that verse mean? What would you tell them? A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words go tit for tat, yell when they yell, get back into them, throw mud when they throw mud. What does that do? Stirs up uh, ire in someone. He said, a soft answer turneth away wrath. So number one, he says, when you answer, consider answering softly to diffuse the situation. Um, I was uh, listening to a man the other day give instruction to his employees, his associates at a, in the retail. And he told them, he said, look, uh, questions oftentimes are very quick. And, and answering things with questions oftentimes diffuse. You do not want an escalated problem when you have an irate customer. So there's, you need to ask them questions. Don't say, you're an idiot. That's why you got that wrong. Accusations, they'll harden the will. A soft question will oftentimes diffuse a problem. What can we do to help you? How can I help you with this situation? Well, learning to ask a good question, but a soft answer, turneth away wrath. Grievous words, stir up anger. So he said the first thing in a verbal response, consider a soft answer or a question rather than grievous words. The louder the conversation usually the less the, the communication. Sometimes people say, when I get loud, that's the only time that she will listen. When I, when I yell, that's the only time he listens. No, he might and she might do what you want them to do for the sake of embarrassment or fear. That's not going to fix things. That's anti-biblical right here. It's a soft answer, turns the breath. But grievous words, loud and angry words, they just stir it up. And you can, the Bible says our tongue should be directing people, not destroying. It should not be. It should not be a fire in the world of iniquity. And if your words and your conversations stir things up and set more fire to things, uh, I think we ought to consider we're not answering correctly. Look at another place real quickly. So number one, it consider a soft answer. Let's look at number two and uh, verse number 23. Chapter 15, verse 23. Would you please look at that? And let's read it out loud together. A man shall have... By the answer of his mouth, and a word spoken in due season, boy, a seasonably response. He said, he said, a man shall have good by the answer of his tongue. Learning to get someone to answer a question or answer a situation correctly gives favor to that person. And learning to answer in a seasonable time. You know, the Bible talks about um, let your words be always seasoned with salt. Um, redeeming the time. Uh, Colossians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul was challenging people to pray for him. He says, I want you to pray for me that I will, I will know what to say and when to say it. I, I was thinking about this and talked about a little bit on Grace to Grow this morning, but you might remember the story when Apostle Paul went with, uh, with Silas and Timothy into Philippi. And he went into Philippi and he was... Uh, he was um, winning people to Christ. He first led Lydia and her girlfriends to Christ besides the water. Then her, her husband let them stay there. 
And then for many times over the last several days, how long they were there, many months, I don't know. In, in, in Thessalonica, they were there less than, than a month. But in Philippi, however many days they were there, there was that demon-possessed damsel. Remember her? She followed them around conveniently while they were witnessing and going about, saying, these are the servants of the Most High God who bring to us the way of salvation. Wherever they would go, she would try to attract attention to them, but she was a demon-possessed fortune teller, being prostituted by her owners and getting money from them. So she's aggravating them continually. And the Bible says this she did for many days. She did this many times and many days, thwarted, aggravated Paul, Silas, and Timothy. I wonder how long it would have taken me if I had the knowledge that she was demon-possessed to do my best to get that demon out of her. But Paul put up with that for many days. I'm I'm of the opinion he probably knew right out of the box this was a demon-possessed woman. But he didn't didn't beckon the demon to come out until many days. I, I think it just teaches me, and by the way, as soon as the demon came out, guess what happened to him? His ministry was completely over at Philippi for that season. He was arrested. His shirt was pulled off. He was beaten publicly with Silas, thrown into jail. God still saved a Philippian jailer, and that's good. The next day, he had to leave and go to Lystra. Or, um, not Lystra, Thessalonica. But, you know, as soon as he, as soon as he moved on that, his ministry was, was halted for that time there in Philippi. And you know, it just reminds me that God is a God of timing. And learning to answer in a seasonable time. Just because you have something to say, an answer doesn't mean it's time to say it. Some fellow put together a little acrostic, think. T-H-I-N-K. When you speak, think. T. Is what I'm going to say truthful? And I think another word you could put, is it timely? <laughs> H. Will it help someone right now? I, could it inspire? Will my words inspire and compliment and encourage somebody? Do I need to say what I'm going to say? N. And K, can I say it in kindness? Speaking the truth in, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one. Can you say what you're going to say with kindness? Here I think we see we can answer, number one, soft answer. Number two, a seasonable answer in the right timing. Listen, whenever you, when you have a, a loved one come in and they haven't eaten since 11 o'clock and it's 6 o'clock at night and they stumble into the, the, they stumble into the house and they're pulling their, their jackets or their book bags or whatever else or things, it's probably not a time to come and give them a, a tongue lashing. Not a time to bring up some, some kind of a, a problem. I think it may be a seasonable time, a wise, a wise uh, uh, someone who needs to confront or talk to him probably needs to think about, uh, is this the best time for me to do that? And sometimes you don't always know that, but boy, pray your way through that. Let's look at another one. If we can, please, we're going to go to chapter 15. We're still there. And if you could look at chapter, chapter 15, verse 28. Read it out loud with me, would you please? The heart of the righteous studieth. A studied answer, thinking about things. I, uh, I'm, I think of many people that are this way. One of my 
one of my favorite people that I get to serve the Lord with that has this, and I think is Brother James Woosley. He oftentimes, if, when, when, when he's got something he's thinking about, he'll think about it and real strategically, carefully say what he needs to say. You know, that, there's a value in that. And not just having, you know, loose lips sink what? Ships. Some of us, we just, rah. But the Bible says, Someone who studies the answer. Evaluate, what am I supposed to say here? Is this the best way to say it? Is it the best time to say it? Is it a seasonable time? Is it a soft answer? Is it a studied answer? Have I thought through this? I was recently in a group of people, and, uh, and just somebody just started saying some stuff, and it, just, it was untimely. It was ridiculous. And the end of it, whenever they finished saying what they were saying, everybody was like looking at them saying, What? Well, it's just, it's just the way I am. I just like to say stuff, you know. But, you know, the truth of the matter is, what they said was, was hurtful, was embarrassing to them and everybody at the, at the setting. And be careful. He says here, a studied answer. So we have a, a soft answer. We have a seasonable or a timely answer. We have a studied answer. Someone needs to evaluate. When, some, when something comes to you, sometimes it's just best to wait and evaluate What's the best way to respond to that? Let's look at another one if we can, please. We're in chapter 15. Now let's go to chapter 18, verse number 13. 18, 13. And let's look at this one. Let's read it together. Can we please? He that answereth the matter before he... Okay. So here is a slow answer. An answer that, that someone who thinks who... who have you, ever, have you ever gotten the, the cart in front of the horse? I do this all the time, and it's an embarrassment to me, but sometimes I'll, I'll try to guess what the person's getting ready to say, and they'll have to say, no, no, I wasn't saying that. I'll say, okay, tell me what you're saying. Sometimes you're busy, you're trying to get something done, and you're, you're trying to jump the gun. He said, he said be, be slow to answer. If you answer a matter before you hear it, what, what is it? It's a folly and an embarrassment to you. Shame, it, it embarrassed me. Uh, learn to, to maybe answer and, and see if you can get the entire, the entire scenario before you start answering something. If not, it's going to be a source of, 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 of embarrassment. Let's look at another one where we've looked at soft answer, seasonable or timely answer, studied answer, slow answer. Hey, let's look at chapter 22, verse 21. Can we? 22, 21. Let me have only the ladies read this. Girls, are you ready? Read it, if you would, please. Chapter 22 of Proverbs, verse number 21. Ready? Let's begin. That I might... Well, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a concept that is repeated twice in there. What, what, what word do you think is repeated twice that might be a concept here? Truth. What do we know is always true? The Scriptures. Yeah, I was meeting with someone today talking about the Baptist distinctives, and I began to tell them, they said, well, there's several Baptist distinctives, and Baptists are not the only people going to heaven. We're not the only one. We don't have a corner on salvation or even being right with God, but I'm grateful that God put me in a Baptist church, and I like Baptist doctrine because Baptist doctrine is Bible doctrine. There are several things that Baptists have stayed to throughout the years. Number one, that the Bible is the authority for all matters of faith and practice. If pastor says something different from the Bible, well, the Bible's right and I'm wrong again. Uh, the Bible is the boss. The Pope is not the boss. The bishop's not the boss. The pastor's not the boss. The Bible's the boss. And everything ought to be birthed out of the Bible. Number two is every church is autonomous. 
Every church is responsible to govern itself, to provide for itself, and to propagate itself. Healthy ladies in childbearing years have babies. That's just what, that's what's supposed to happen. And healthy churches ought to have more churches. Uh, churches, if we have a hole in our ceiling, you know, whose job is it to fix that hole? It's our job. We can't say, call headquarters and say, yeah, we got a hole. Can you get it fixed here? No. If Pastor Wilkerson has a heart attack or gets sick and I can't be your pastor next week, who has to find another pastor? Can't call the Vatican. You wouldn't want to, right? Can't say, hey, yeah, send Wilkerson fell off the planet. Here's the next guy, you know? No, you'll have to figure that out. Because every church governs itself. It provides for itself. It propagates itself. Next thing is the, is the, the priesthood of the believers. That everyone has direct access to God. You don't have to go to a priest or a pastor to get to God. Nothing wrong with asking someone to pray with you. But quite frankly, do you have to have me or a priest or anyone else to, to get to God? Not if you're a child of God. Because there's one mediator, there's one God, one mediator between God and man. Who is he? When you have him, you have access to God through Jesus Christ. Uh, there's two, two ordinances, two things the church has chosen to do. God gave it. It's not, they're not sacraments. They're not needed for salvation. I remember standing on a driveway in Dallas, Texas a couple summers ago on tour and arguing with the man who told me, you have to take the Eucharist or you go to hell. You have to take the, you, so, so if I die without taking the, Lord, the, the, the communion, I, I can't be saved? Absolutely not. Do you have to take the Lord's Supper to go to heaven? Do you have to get baptized to go to heaven? They're not sacraments, they're ordinances. And they're, they're given by the church. Remember years ago, I was leading a little girl to the Lord. She was at a vacation Bible school right here. And we were out in, out in, um, in uh, Cherville. And another lady that uh, we were working with to bring to Christ. And Linda and I had gone visit her. She brought her kids to vacation Bible school. She brought her girlfriend with her. And, and she came and she was drinking vodka out of a water bottle. And she was a little tipsy and started talking to her about coming to church. And she sure enough, she came. And it wasn't here very long before she accepted the Lord as her Savior. And she went through all 20 lessons of discipleship. And I remember her calling me one time from Pennsylvania. She said, Pastor, I have my niece and nephew out here. They're, they're 12 and 13, 14 years old. And uh, I have just led them to Christ. I said, I am so glad. That's great. She said, Pastor, they have, a, they have a pool in their backyard. Can I baptize them? I said, well... There's nothing wrong with getting baptized in a pool. You don't have to be in church to do it, but you probably shouldn't be baptizing them. And it's not an individual thing. It's something we do as an extension. It's the church's job. It's, uh, maybe it's our local church in your area. He goes, yo, I can't do it myself, huh? I said, no, you can't do it yourself. Because it's a church ordinance. Same way with the Lord's Supper. I don't think it's something, oh, I'm getting my friends together. We're going to do the Lord's Supper together at the house. Now, I think you can be doing it at the house, and maybe a church would decide, you know what, we're going to ask you to go to different homes and partake in the Lord's Supper. I imagine that would be fine, but not, uh, not on your own. It's a church ordinances. There's two ordinances. Then it goes on to individual soul liberty. And that basically is understanding that, that salvation, Christianity, cannot be coerced. Your daddy... Your daddy can make you a Muslim, but he can't, and, and your mama can make you a Presbyterian, make you a Methodist, but they can't make you a Christian. A Christian has to be whosoever will call upon him. It has to be an individual soul liberty decision. You can't, if our, if our president or our mayor or our governor said, you know what, I've been studying Christianity, I want everybody to be a Christian. 
we're going to mandate everybody in the state or this county or this city to be a Christian. The Baptists who believe the Bible should yell the loudest against that. He said, no, you can't coerce it. Also, individual soul liberty speaks about different um, growth patterns and different perspectives. There are some things you don't have to pray about whether I should steal or not. I don't, have to, I don't have to pray about that. I already know what the Bible says about that. I don't have to wonder whether I should lie or commit an immoral sin. We already know what the Bible says about that. But there are many areas that are not black and white. I have a sweet friend who decides, he says, you know what, I'm not going to have, John, I'm not going to have a television in my house. I feel like I'm raising kids. I just don't want a television. I don't want one. I don't want cable. I don't want the regular. I just don't want a television in my house. Is that okay if a man decides that? Sure, it's perfectly fine, because he has individual soul liberty. But what if that man said, you know, and anybody who has a television, they're not right with God. Is that okay? Well, it kind of crossed a line there. Because there is not a, a biblical forbiddance to a television itself. What you see on it, if someone's watching something that's, that's a wicked, well, that can, that can be made an evaluation. But just have one is not. So there are many things that are individual soul liberty that has to be done. And then a saved, baptized church membership. Everybody who's a member of a Bible-believing church has to first be saved, then submit to baptism, and then are added to the church, voluntarily uh, submitting themselves to put their life and influence in a local church. That's, uh, that's that many folks become members of a church and other organizations just at, at, uh, as an infant in baptism. Then they, all their life they are in this church, but they're, but they're not, they've not been truly saved. They've not truly been followed the Lord, biblically baptized, but they're members of the church. And if you do that long enough, you have a whole church full of unregenerate people that are not saved in a spiritual organization. And, of course, that's why the Bible says many as believed were baptized in the same, were added unto them, about 3,000 souls. So there was a process in that situation. Then, of course, the last two are the two offices, the pastor and the deacons, and then the, uh, the separation of church and state reminding us of that. Learning to exercise wisdom in these matters and, and answer things correctly. Let's look at the next one if we can, please. And, 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 and when, I, when I say about that is that we want to answer scripturally. It would be a very good idea for you and I when we have an answer. We ought to think to ourselves, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Not your opinion. Sometimes people ask your opinion, well, let me just think about that. I'll tell you what, I've been thinking about this a long time. But you know what the truth of the matter is? We ought to say, what does God tell me? What does the Bible say? What is the truth? Because if you know the truth, what's the truth do? It makes you free of hang-ups, free of consequences. When you got the truth, you have a lot smoother situation. And the source of all truth is Jesus Christ, and he is personified in the word of God. And speak the truth. Let's look at the last, uh, the last two. We'll conclude, if we can, please. And uh, now, if we can, please go, if you would, please, to chapter 22, verse number 26. 22, verse 26. I think I told you wrong. Let's try 2426. Can we do that, please? 2426. And let's look at this one and read it together. Ready? Every man shall kiss his lips that giveth the right answer. And, of course, this speaks of really a sound answer. You make, a, you, make you say the right thing. You say something appropriately in the right way. People appreciate that. It's a sound, clean answer. And then the lastly, if you would please go, if you would please, to chapter 26, verses 4 and 5, a sensible answer. 
two verses that sometimes can be a little confusing, and maybe we can give more time to that when we have more time. But look at verse number 4 and 5 of chapter 26. And uh, guys, once you read verse 4, girls, you join us in verse 5. Are you ready, fellas? Ready? Answer not a fool according to his folly. Verse 5, everyone. Answer a fool according to his folly. Of course, the Bible tells us here, you've got to answer sensibly. And basically, don't argue with a fool. Don't argue with a fool. There's, some folks, strife is their life. They haven't found an argument they don't want to be involved with it. Debate is their goal. It's their delight. And there are times when you need to contend for the faith. Jude tells us that. But oftentimes we contend just for the sake of contending. You answer a fool to course folly, you're going to be likened to him. You're going to come down to his level, and, and he's much wiser in his conceits than you are when you get on his level. And uh, answer sensibly. Make good decisions. Uh, just an interesting thought on answering.